M. Rossiano. I don't think parents congratulate kids when they come out every time. I know I will if that happens here. <laughs> and Michael Lucas. I'm Michael, I'm from the suburbs. I can't play sport. And would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? <laughs> this is M. Salation. You also enjoy tragic, dramatic, over-the-top, completely wound-up bonkers divas. That's true. <laughs> You're in M. Salation. Well, hello, everybody, M. Salators. Do not freak out. Do not adjust the settings on your iPhone. Nothing is wrong. M is fine. Obviously, it's not M speaking. <laughs> For once, it's Michael. It's Michael Lucas doing the introduction. M's best friend, screenwriter, terrible singer, fully vaccinated person, very committed dancer. What else do I do? Wearer of many, many novelty t-shirts that M supported for a time, but I can feel there's a conversation coming when she's about to point out that at 42, no, it's not an age thing, actually. It's just the amount of time that I've maintained the style. I think she thinks I need to freshen up. Anyway, I am here in M's stead. And as I said, she's completely fine. I'm here because it's a bit of a special edition. It's a collector's item, this, this episode. And I think you probably know who we're interviewing today because it would have been promoted to hell on all our social media channels and because you probably, there's probably some sort of description you clicked on when you brought up the episode. But nonetheless, I've never been in this position. I've never had the power to dictate the sound effects. So if I could get a drum roll as I announce that today for the full episode, we are speaking to... Beloved Australian actress Kat Stewart. That goes wild. Oh, now this one's been a while in the making. Kat is a fan of the show, I am delighted to say. Obviously, Kat is the incredible, incredible Australian actress. A bazillion stage credits, but you would also know her, I mean, Roberta, Underbelly, Billy, Offspring, and now Liz in Five Bedrooms. So many shows in between. Tangle, Mr. and Mrs. Murder, Endless. But we're here because... Five Bedroom Season 2 is about to go. We're here because we love Cat, and we've been wanting to have this conversation for ages, but I've made M wait because I wanted it to happen in the promotional window for Five Bedroom Season 2, and then Five Bedroom Season 2 was delayed because of that small pandemic thing we've had. But it's finally coming now, and so the time was ripe for us to have a full sit-down with Cat. Oh, and she was so divine, honestly. Cat, Cat is someone that so many people ask me what she's like in real life. And oftentimes with a lot of cast members I work with, particularly on Offspring, on Five Bedrooms too, you know, the fact of the matter is a lot of them, if you love their characters in those shows and then you met them in real life, the characters are sort of, they're not the same obviously, but if you met Jimmy, the actor that plays Jimmy Pratt and Rick Davies, I think you'd be pretty, you'd be pretty happy. Deb Malman, if you like Cherie and Offspring, pretty much the same. Cat, <laughs> she's not Billy. She's really not Billy. Billy is wild and uncouth, and Roberta was wilder and more uncouth. Cat is the most divine. She's the most thoughtful. She's the most empathetic. She's a classy, classy lady. That sounds weird to use that phrase. I hope she's not offended by it, but I mean it with such love. Cat is famous for playing these sort of wild women. But as we discussed in this episode, that she's a very, very different energy in real life. And I, the best way I can describe it is, if you think of her characters, like Roberta Williams or like Billy from Offspring, you kind of think, like, if they were in high school, they would be the head of the Mean Girls and they would be expelled for smoking behind the shelter sheds. Cat Stewart, I actually don't know what she was like in high school, but I just feel in my bones that she was like me in that... She had lovely handwriting and she worked hard and she didn't yell and scream in her fights with her mum. They had lovely dinners together of a school night and they sat down and watched ER. That's the beautiful vibe that I get from Kat Stewart and I think you can hear it in the interview that we have with her today. She still unleashes a bit of Roberta Williams on us, which I was absolutely thrilled. But yeah, Kat Stewart, delightfully different to some of her most famous characters. M, of course, is the other person that people always ask, what's she really like? And I would have to say, she's one of those remarkable people that the M that you hear, it really is M. It's a, it, it, you are getting raw essence of M, absolutely. She's, I once heard it about Oprah. She's a genius because the Oprah that you get on camera is the Oprah in real life. And the same is true to an extent of M. The only thing I would say is there's more. There's more dimensions. There's more contradictions. And the two biggest features, I reckon, that like being sort of part of M's family, oh no, not biologically, but, you know, spiritually, I don't think you could possibly understand the level of loyalty unless you knew real M. Like, just if I accidentally killed someone, 
she's absolutely who I would call and I know she wouldn't blink. She would just be like, all right, Vincy's got the best spades. I'll have to come up with an excuse, but I'm going to go, I'll be around there. I've already figured out where a good area would be. There's a bit of Crown land out past Warren Dyke. Scott, I'm going to need you to mind Elio. I've got to get in the car. That She is unflinching. And the other big thing about Em, I feel that, I mean, you kind of know this as well because obviously she's a great mum and you get glimpses of her parenting on, you know, you get, there's lots of great kid content on Em's social media channels, but... I think that's one of the most startling things when you see she's such a great mum in ways that I don't even think that she would have perspective on because she just gets so enthusiastic about whatever her kids are into, whatever. She's got three such different kids and every single time she gets down there and she meets them with what they love. I mean, that was pretty easy with Chella because Chella has the taste and interests of a middle-aged mum. So that, I mean, you know, absolutely no problems there. But Odie and Elio are completely distinctive personalities. And Em is, she's just, on one level, she's such a good friend. But the startling thing to me is that she can totally connect with them on that friend level, but she can still be, she can still draw the line. She can still pull them into shape. She can still, she can still pull out Scary Mum if she needs to be. And it's the most amazing balance. And I don't know whether it was something that developed over time or whether it was just came natural to her. But that, that's a real aspect of him that is, I find, really startling in real life. And you get it from what she says here, but, but it really makes an impact on you when you see it. So anyway, those are my insights into the two women <laughs> that are part of this conversation. So I'm going to, like, cut to the music pretty soon. Of course, the promotional... I mean, M's tour, click on details... I hope you're appreciating him, how professional I'm being. I didn't provide any dates or anything. And obviously, Cats and My Show, Five Bedrooms, that's coming on Paramount Plus, a new streaming service with, you know, we're, we're not going to be on free-to-air anymore. Like most drama, we've become streaming, which, you know, I, a lot of people are a little bit grumbly that they have to pay for it. Although, guys, there's going to be a free trial. Just use the free trial and then watch it with no ads. And that's going to be on August the 11th. So without further ado, all right, here we go. Throw into the sound effects again. As M would say, play the music. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay, I am a tech team of one because we're recording at night time and Michael Lucas, I believe... Knock on Am the wood. Online. <laughs> I'm here. Well done. It was a triumph. 12 minutes. It's a world record for us. Okay. And are you recording at home though? You've got the other yeah, one. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yes, yes. Not our guest. Do I have an intro yet? Oh, okay. fuck. It's been a day, guys. Joining us now is, I would say, probably M. Salation's number one ticket holder. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when famous people kind of join teams. They're like, they get the scarf and they get the best seats at the game, blah, blah, blah. She's to ask what Waleed Ali is to Richmond. Yes. What Roger Corsa is to Hawthorne. Don't do footy concert reference. I don't I care. can't. That was as far as I could go. I'm out. <laughs> Cat Stewart, welcome. Long time listener, first time caller. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it came disturbingly natural. It did. Now, we do want to thank your tech team, David, your husband. David, he's, oh, God, it's a miracle I'm talking to you and he made it all possible. Yeah. He's MacGyver. You're, you're so glamorous. You look so glamorous. I've got to, like, take a photo of the screen. So what I want to let everyone know is, as has been previously discussed on this show, Michael Lucas just rocks up pretty much each week and just does whatever the fuck he wants. And I do all the work, which is the agreement because he doesn't get paid very much for this podcast. And by not much, I mean zero. So this week, though, I was surprised to get an email from one Michael John Lucas saying, here's some talking points for Kat. And Kat, I nearly fucking fell off I the did. chair. <laughs> It was, a, it was a dot point. It was a series of dot points. And I described everything that I thought the Emsolation listeners would like to hear. Are there any things that you already know or...? Yes, I know, I know all of them. They're not things, they're not gotcha questions that I want to find oh, out. Okay. No, it's things oh, that I know and remember that I thought would be of interest. I did think Em was going to oh. seamlessly like weave it in like it was all natural. No, nah, she's going to literally read the dot points that I wrote. Yeah, because I'm really bitter that you've bothered for once. <laughs> so now don't worry, Kat, I've given you a lovely intro in the opening. So, and obviously everyone knows your name, but for like the two people that don't. Why are you here? Go away. You're not invited. I'm going to go through the dot points. Ideas for Cat. 
from Michael. I know I'm obsessive, but here they are. <laughs> hang on, before I get there, I'm just going to take a breath. I'm just, how are you? Are you okay? Are you okay? What have you been doing today? I'm good. I'm so good. And look, I've got to say this is a little bit surreal for me because I have been listening to you two and I have not missed an episode. I started listening from the very first episode and it was lockdown and I was sad and lonely and it was like, I, and I had no... <laughs> mental capacity to have conversations and it felt like it was so good because I could listen to you guys but completely just coast on all your effort and just be the the boring person that was there but didn't contribute it was just so great so obviously I hope that doesn't happen today but but yeah so this is really great to be here I love the show Oh, like a social occasion where you have no pressure to, to interject <laughs> anything whatsoever. You'd be the boring, slightly drunk friend, you know, who just <laughs> says uh-huh occasionally. So that's, yeah. The truth so be nice. told, I don't want to, it won't surprise you to hear this. Sometimes we were slightly drunk too. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm slightly drunk now. Well, thank you for being here. We know you're a very busy lady, currently on the promotional trail for Five Bedrooms. Michael, are you aware of Five Bedrooms? I am, Em. <laughs> As I've created it, wrote it, produced it and worked on it for the past three or four years. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with it. Good, Thank you good. For- yeah. Just Sorry, it just wasn't in your um, stupid dot points, so I just wanted okay. to make sure. I- All right. <laughs> <laughs> I did not credit myself. I felt like my reputation would precede me. No, because no. Now I want to go to the dot points. Well, Let's I- do it. I'm doing it. Cat number one. Yes. Uh, I should also point out I've known Cat for a long time. Like, it's fine. We're all very familiar. Yeah. It does sound like I'm being super rude, but we're good. We're tight. Who knows what she's in for, yeah. yeah. Okay, number one, I always liked that she had a day job until about 30. She was a PR person who did night acting classes. I think it's inspiring, exclamation point. <laughs> okay, if I had known that this was going to be read out to your cat, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have phrased it like that. And also now I'm thinking I got all the dates wrong. So let me phrase this by asking, is it correct that in your 20s you worked in PR? Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I worked in publishing as a publicist. Um, that was my first job out of uni. I did marketing and arts at uni. And then I'd found doing, I loved doing drama when I was at uni and I didn't want to let it go. I didn't think it was a career. So I found a nighttime three-year acting course. And so I kind of moon, was moonlighting and I didn't tell work what I, that I was doing it. And um, at about two years in, two and a half years in, I I couldn't be at the Adelaide Writers Festival and on stage at the same time in this role I really wanted to do. So I had to, I had to fess up and resign. But um, yeah, so then I kept doing contracts, you know, PR contracts to support myself for, you know, quite a while because it took a while to get acting work. Wow. So... I've had a literary PR agent and I've had a TV PR agent and I've had a radio PR. Like, you're not cutthroat enough for the other two, so books make sense because the literary world, the book ladies, and there's a lot of women in literary PR, let me tell you, and they all kind of like they wear dinosaur designs, jewellery and expensive zip-up camper shoes and, you know, those, those women. So, like, so you were, you were a book PR lady. Yeah, so I mean, I was very junior, really. It was my first job out, but no, it was. I got to I got to tour with really interesting writers, you know, comedians, um, oh. cookbooks. Were you um, ever bitchy? Because can't imagine that from you. No, we had. I had a really good group. There were about six of us, and we were all in our early twenties, and we were really tight, and we looked after each other. And they burn you out. They work you really hard. But um, I loved it, and I also, I'm. I get really enthusiastic about projects, and I, I'd get really excited about whatever I was promoting so I've never been great at talking myself up but I love talking up other people and I love I loved nailing the big interviews I got a real buzz out of that because it was something you could quantify oh, um, yeah, your, yeah your social media is rubbish like yeah <laughs> yeah like for the biggest I'm actress we have not your shit at it you need a PR babe <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it <laughs> just because by your standards <laughs> I do. No, whoever <laughs> follows me is really patient and nice. Yeah, no, it's true. I no, I, I must admit, I would welcome, I would welcome a, an upsurge in frequency. Mm. It's true, mm. but I like yeah. it. It's like it's just really. It feels like a. Tra- it does feel like an event when you post. No, I'm just and jealous. Also, it's definitely me. Like there's no yeah. one else. <laughs> <laughs> there's no people. There's no people. I like that. 
I'm just jealous because you don't have to post. You're so uber. There's certain people that just get hired no matter what, but then there's those of us who are like paddling in the duck pond frantically. Look at me, <laughs> look at me. Please, Uncle Toby, give me a job. So, like, yeah. that's why I'm always on there. And then I'll see, oh, oh, Her Majesty is giving us a post and then there'll be like a million <laughs> likes. <laughs> brand deals. I don't do, I haven't done, I've never done a brand deal. I've never done a, you know, ambassadorship or a, you know, so there's there's the oh, answer. Oh, mate, if you wanted to. If you chucked a few selfies up this week, you'll get a fucking Mercedes Benz. I bet you any money. <laughs> Ooh, okay, we'll talk. We should talk. We should talk. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it wrong. Can I please do a cat Stewart Instagram takeover? Can you imagine? Oh, cat, be careful. Just don't. Just don't do it. Don't agree to it. <laughs> Look, you could, you could, you could ask him to put together like some sort of pitch deck for what she might do. But uh, I, I would don't let her go live. Don't sign up for passwords. <laughs> no. Okay. Second point. Oh God. On the oh, blessed yep. document, we yep. got to touch on Roberta, then Billy, and then Liz. Obviously. Well, I we also. Hang yeah. on. Okay. Sorry. Rouge. Obviously, we should. T- Sorry, I've had a tequila and I'm already getting snitchy. Mm. Obviously, we should talk about how I ripped off you and your marriage for Billy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does Cat know the let's, extent that you let's wind, mind? Let's wind back to Roberta, though. You're, you're in here having a fucking holiday. I'm out there with shitheads terrorising my kid. No, plus, I'm hauling around your fucking sprog, which is doing my fucking fanny in, and my back is fucking killing me, and the house is a fucking bombsite. I'm, I'm doing my fucking best, all right? So if you just don't want to fucking work, Carl Williams, I'm going to jump across this table, and I'm going to feed you your skinny fucking balls. Can you give us a time frame of when you, you know, the, the crossroads bit where you're in the play... And you have to choose yes. that and the book festival. Mm. How many years between that? Because I think everyone sort of sees Roberta as the, like, breakthrough role, even though I know there were lots of roles well, before that. It was about 10 years. <gasps> like, I could not get arrested in my 20s. I was doing, not like, I joined a theatre company and I was working as a, you know, in theatre and I was getting the odd guestie, but no, the, the twi- a lot of tumbleweeds in the 20s. But I loved it and I kind of kind of let go of, kind of had to adjust my thinking about what success was and I sort of decided I got really depressed and then I decided well stuff it I'm just going to do what I want to do and if people see it they see it and if they don't they don't I'm just going to do that for a few years and see what happens and then I started getting a bit more TV work and I was able to support myself for a couple of years probably about four years before Underbelly just doing you know semi-regulars and bits and pieces and theatre but yeah then Underbelly was a was definitely it didn't so much feel it like it at the time but it definitely was a kind of a uh, a, a shifting gears and that we shot that in 2007 so that was yeah nine years after I quit that that publishing job so it took a while I, I had the same deal with myself when I decided to become a screenwriter I gave my I gave myself 10 years to do it and then yeah. Offspring landed right at the end of that 10 years like it was just bizarre how close it was to my target <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when I would have put, pulled the pin. I don't know that I would have. I mean, I think I'd probably just do it anyway because I just, I genuinely. Yeah, love I'm the it. same. I don't know what I would have done if I had stopped. But also, wasn't it a weird thing with Underbelly, whereby it was banned in Melbourne, where you live? Yes. So therefore, it's like the biggest show in the country, except just not where you are. Oh my god, I forgot it got banned. Shit, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so it, I know yeah. I know the Sydney-based cast were having a ball, doing nightclub appearances, <laughs> getting free TVs and stuff. And I was just I was doing a play at Red Stitch in St Kilda, <laughs> um, and I was doing a bit of on you know I was doing a couple of days a week on an SBS show, Newstopia with Sean McAuliffe. But that was you know that was pretty you know it was just a couple of days a week. It was yeah it was just pottering around really. It was a really it took a long time and. There were a lot of contraband DVDs floating around in Melbourne and eventually it kind of hit critical mass and people had seen it, but it never actually got broadcast in its entirety ever, I don't think. Is that a fact? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they had, to, they had to pixelate Tony Mockbell's character and do things and I think that, yeah, I don't think they ever actually showed the whole thing. Roberta, your Roberta is so fucking iconic. Like, and you are the classiest lady I think I know in my life and I didn't know that until I met you and then after I met you, I said to Michael, how the fuck did she pull off Roberta Williams? <laughs> Where does it come yeah, from? Yeah, what did you? First of all, for me, for your friend, mm. can you give me some Roberta, please? Oh. Come on. Don't you say no. Don't you say no. Hey, all right. Get your own fucking chips. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. One more time. Wait. Shh. Michael, got to isolate it. Got to isolate it. Shh, shh, shh. Okay, go, 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 go. Get your own fucking chips, you cocksucking pair of poofters. <laughs> So appropriate for the audience too. 
Oh, amazing. That is electrifying. I just want to say at the moment, I can't see Kat. So that voice just came in to my ears and I, that I don't recognise that person. I have to tell you, I can see Kat. And her face just took on Roberta. Like, even though she looks stunning, like she's luminous and glowing. I just have to tell you, that's as close to an orgasm as I have come in such a long time. Oh, get your own fucking chips, you bunch of fucking... Oh, my God, it's so good. You're so good. You was it? I used to have this weird theory when I first met you that maybe like playing those sort of characters is amazing therapy or just some sort of outlet because you you are so lovely and, and polite and, and patient, yeah. poised, like more so than anyone I know. And I just felt, what well, did she get out? All of the <laughs> everything. It was really puzzling because when I you know started, as I said, with tumbleweeds and I couldn't get arrested, but the things I was sent for. And I'm, I've looked at my headshot since, and it was pretty shady. So I didn't. I, it was the nicest I could get. And I was getting sent for, you know, just prostitutes, drug dealers, you know, all the baddies, basically. And it's just my face. I just, my head is a bit pointy and a bit mean looking. My resting bitch face or whatever. So I just sort of had to make my my peace with that. That's what I was sent for. And I fought it initially. And I remember trying to like do pretty makeup and stuff. Didn't make any difference. And so, but in the end, it, it, it was fantastic. And it, you embraced your inner drug dealing prostitute. Characters that are different to you. Resting bogan really face. Oh God. Okay, but so no, I love I love that character. She's one of my all time. I think she's one of my all time favorite characters. I was electrified watching her. I don't know. I just it was so great. You were so great. Then obviously Billy from Offspring. And why are you both here today? Well, I'm I'm wanting to get in shape for an upcoming occasion. Okay, a wedding or just lunch? I have a complicated relationship with Billy from Offspring because I would watch the show and see intimate details of my life playing out without permission. I did sail pretty close to the wind with some of that stuff. I, it was more, I took the attitude of beg forgiveness afterwards, for sure. First, I want to say thank you because you gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you did nothing wrong. There were multiple writers. You didn't know where things were coming from, but the truth was, well, it was actually the reason why it was so, the show was so easy for me to write is that I instantly realised that Nina and Billy were kind of like me and M. Like, and as soon as I realised that, because I, the pilot was already made or a ver, a ver, the first version of it was made when I came on and I looked at them and I'm like, oh my God, I know that relationship. I know exactly what would happen. But then when the Billy and Mick stuff, and that was when, you know, I was just like listening to details from Emma about her marriage and it was just, it was absolute gold to have, I didn't have to do any research, I could just take notes. Mm. And even the job, Billy, I, when I left Breakfast Radio and had to move back in with my parents, I started styling interior design for real estate agents. That was my job. That was a coincidence. Oh, oh that shut was in the up. Pilot. It was not. It was. She was. You, Kat can affirm she was part of the real estate business it, it, right from the first Wait, scene. Wait, was she specifically styling houses at the start? No. Oh. I was doing one real estate agent from the word go, but that was a side business I did with Silly Piccola's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's when it went over the top. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. I didn't realise how, how deeply you mind, Michael. That's amazing. Yeah. There was one real. There was one real line cross. I've, oh, there was a few, but the worst one was at one point. This is so bad for Scott too. The toothbrush. Was, the yeah. toothbrush. Yeah. yeah. I was just at one point. Em was talking about her marriage and you know reflecting on things and maybe I don't know the difficulty of a long term relationship. And then she said something like, "His nipples jiggle when he brushes his teeth," and it was so visceral. And I just gave it to you, mm. and uh, and then I did tell Em. I know. I think I just apologise afterwards. Mm -hmm. Sorry that I took that intensely detailed, intimate look at your marriage and put it on screen. Yeah. 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 Thank you both. It's fine. (laughs) She ultimately, it was a love letter to me from my best friend because she's such a beautiful, wonderful, complicated, deeply flawed character as, as am I. So when I finally got to it, I mean, the scene where, you know, Billy says, I'll, I'll love the baby enough for both of like it's just I, mean, I was a mess it's my favorite that's my oh my favorite. god <laughs> and he knows that that's that's I've said that and it's something that I would say over and over again so when I saw that I was like okay it's fine it's fine that he stole from my life because he really loves me <laughs> she was always redeemed no matter <laughs> how off the tracks she may have gone and how outrageous she may have been you never doubted her her fierce love of, of the people around her mm. Is she your fave yeah. cat? Is she your fave character so far? Oh, I kind of, I love 
whatever I'm doing at the time. You love Liz at the right now, so, don't you? So many, um, so many years, and Offspring just kept giving. You know, each season you kind of say goodbye to everyone, and I'm really fatalistic about that stuff. So I'd kind of make my peace with it. With the, well, there was one series where we got greenlit for two, but generally speaking, you kind of try and let it go. But it just kept coming back, and it was so much fun. So mm. I am really attached to Billy because just we spent so much time together. Mm. But having said that. I am loving playing Liz. <laughs> You're loving Liz. Before so we I. wait, before we move on to Liz, though, yeah, we do have to one. we have to ask. When we've yes. spoken to everyone, we're speaking about is we spoke to Asha obviously about it. Michael gets yes. still it still gets brought up obviously now because he's doing Celebrity Master Chef. But Patrick's death, Michael still gets berated by listeners of this podcast. He still gets hate tweets when he gets brought up. So sorry, bitch. What was the effect on your life? Outside of Offspring. So were you walking around, were people coming up to you devastated? Yes. I remember being in a shop and it was sort of around the time Patrick had died but Nina hadn't been able to get in contact with Billy and this woman in a shop said, your sister needs you. (laughs) 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 And obviously she knew it was, but there was a lot of... I don't know. There's a lot of passion in it. <laughs> like, so there was it, 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 people really cared, and I, I was, I mean, the cast was so upset when when we were told, and when we read. I remember reading that script, and between setups, and I had to stop because I was crying my makeup off. Like I, uh, you know, we were all so invested and involved in it. But then I knew when the writers, including Michael, told me about this storyline. I think it was Deb Deb Oswald saying, but 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 it's all worth it because it leads to this moment, and it's the very mm. moment you just mentioned, mm. and the I will love the baby and, until you're able to, and I, I kind of I held on to that, and then you know the that series ended on such a great note of hope, but yeah, it was it was big, and mm. it was you know people were calling sick in from work and all that stuff. It was. <laughs> God. And now they're all triggered again because Matt Linavine, who played Patrick, is doing MasterChef, Celebrity MasterChef. It is a fiddle, so that's reassuring. Alive and well. <laughs> I also remember Kat was around at my house with that episode. We were all, there was a gathering. Em was there too. I was there, we were there. You were in that episode. And I still remember. I was in that vivid. episode. He put yes, me in the, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he put me in. You know that I auditioned for Claire Bowditch's role, which was written based on me again. And I couldn't, e- I couldn't even get it, couldn't even get the role of myself. So they ended up putting me in as myself in the that episode. I said, Michael, of all the episodes, I was going to give you But you got to interview her. Yeah. Well, you're in an Australian classic t- episode of television. So I, anyway. God. But I still remember us, we were reading all the tweets and there was so, they produced an ad campaign that's like, who will die? And Billy was one of the main <laughs> contenders. And I still remember you bursting out laughing in the middle of the episode reading a tweet and the tweet was something like, I don't know who's going to die, but I hope it's the sad lady in the tank top. <laughs> Which was Billy. With me or Jimmy or Patrick. And they were, I, yeah, no one wanted Patrick to die. It was very much me and Jimmy. Oh, I voted yeah. for Jimmy when we were discussing it. Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> I, and I also remember no, really no one thought it was going to be Patrick. They had polls on news.com and I've kept it because only like about 15% of people thought it was going to be him and the rest, Jimmy was the number one and then you and then way back him. Anyway. Now we did bring up Liz, Five Bedrooms, current project. You've been promoting the show all day, obviously, Christine Bartlett, Michael Lucas at the helm. Did it smell like this before? Classic buyer's remorse. Quick, the main door, hit the main door. Oh, come in, Morris! Remind me why we're doing this Listen, again. We couldn't afford anything we liked and we wanted Paul. Michael really desperately wanted to give you an upper class, I'm reading his notes. <laughs> I was desperate to write an upper class role for her because she's always played wild women and rock chicks. I thought it'd be nice to give her a two-rack lady role, someone who's fallen from grace. <laughs> That didn't happen. She fell from, the character's fallen from grace, but she's ascending. She's ascending. She's ascending. So you love Liz. You're all about Liz at the moment. You're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Michael and Christine's writing, this is weird because obviously you're here, Michael, but it's just so good. And um, and it, and it was good because we had a couple of years between shows. So I was sort of, I felt like I was ready to, to attack a new character and, She's so different. Like where where Billy is all about no filters and passion and leading with her heart and saying what's on her mind and getting it wrong and failing but getting back up again. Liz has all this status anxiety mm. and she's entirely appropriate and polite 
yet slightly ruthless and anxious, but also devoted. She's got a really key relationship in her life, but she just comes from a completely different world and, and way of looking at things. And I just, I love kind of walking around in someone else's shoes and getting inside that headspace. It's been, and it's it's funny. It's a fun show. It's, mm. it's, it's a true uh, ensemble. Mm-hmm. I totally knew that there was, I felt like, it was really interesting to me that you became so famous for, and even though obviously Roberta and Billy are so different, but they do have that same thing and that they're kind of unfiltered, mm. you know, um, obviously Billy's got way more redeeming features than the on-screen Roberta. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking, I bet Kat would know how to navigate that kind of, like she must have crossed paths at certain parts of life with, with women in, I don't know, they come from that part of town and everything like that. And so early on from the earliest rushes, because another weird thing about writing it was it was really hard for me to get Billy out of my head at the start. But then as soon as I saw like the first rushes come in, she was so different in just her, yeah, just all of the, the, the she wouldn't speak directly if she didn't have to and she would duck and weave and just very, very concerned about how it was things were coming across, which was so different. And and it was super, like it only took an instant for me to just, like if I had to write Billy now, I'd be. You just be, call me, you motherfucker, and you just write down our phone conversation. Don't fucking lie. Oh, I'm swearing a lot. Sorry, it's such a killer. <laughs> but I feel like also Kat is a, I mean, a, a woman in the media landscape. Uh, we're all used to being careful about what we say. So I feel like that's totally, yeah. yeah. And there is there. that. There's that absolute quality in in, in you of in Liz, I should say. <laughs> so this is a this is the thing with with Liz. She's got all that grounding, but she's had absolutely every possible curveball. I'm not possible. Not every possible. I'm sure you got more up your sleeve, Michael. But um, oh, plenty. She's had Don't so worry many about things that. at her to unravel that, and that's been the joy too. To try and kind of, she's trying to keep herself together, but she's there's rage underneath. <laughs> Great fun. I've, I, I have made Cat cry so much. Oh. In I, I did a big count of like I think if you include things that I've script produced, it is 89 episodes of television all told, and the amount of times. <laughs> And I feel like with Liz, it was just like torn down, torn, just in the, like bankrupt, literally bankrupt and drunk. The bathtub scene, the bathtub scene where. Made, oh. made me shit myself. On yes. Yeah, and, and Michael <laughs> told me that, and I knew that before you knew that was coming. And I was like, she is a warrior. She will nail this. I can already see it. I respect Kat Stewart shitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she, this is season one, which uh, but will be available on Paramount Plus come August 11. Ooh, um, there is a food poisoning episode. Yes. Here, and I did. And I, I don't think we gave you, Did I don't think I gave you any forewarning. You just read that script. No, it was kind of like with the script. You did yeah. something about a, a, a tricky paella or something, and um, but not no details. And then I, <laughs> and I, I end up stuck naked in a bath, kind of vomiting to the... Oh. <laughs> And I and I and I don't get my pants down in time. It's just the, the most humiliating. Stunning. <laughs> it was stunning. But so much, so much fun. And the really fun thing was seeing how each of the households the different takes on <gasps> on, on diarrhea. Everyone had a on explosive diarrhea. diarrhea. Everyone <laughs> has a shitting themselves story. It is the great <laughs> leveler uniter. You sit around a campfire mm. and you ask, "Tell me, you're shitting yourself." Everyone's fucking got a shitting themselves story. Mm. It's the greatest. Oh, thing. absolutely, absolutely! I think it's the purest episode of drama that I've ever written because there is not a person alive watching that who can't <laughs> empathise with those characters. Although I have noticed, sometimes I go online and look at like there's all those websites where you can rate the episodes, and it's just interesting to see what are people's favourites. Oh. And that episode, I would have thought it would be the absolute favourite, but clearly some people get offended by shooting because it's so polarised. It's either ten or yeah. zero. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, Not many zeros. Because I'll look it up and it won't be helpful. Oh, no, I know. Okay, no, I got No, it's all very, it's generally very positive. And Liz's episode four season one is one of the absolute most popular ones. So there you go. Oh, he mm. knows what we need, Kat. Never Well, and apparently they need you being devastated and tearful because they love it. <laughs> Can't get up it. Now, Kat, do you remember when you and Michael first met? That's such a loaded question, and you won't. But that's okay. That's part. That's no, part she of the got it. Story. Let her answer. Oh. Where? Oh. Were you working on a tingle? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. She yeah. Okay. Well done. Yeah. 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 Mm. I do. Yeah. What do you want to say about that? Oh, I mean, oh yeah, I wanted to tell this story because it was so. Yeah. 
Um, the, so that when Cat did Tangle, this was like right hot after Underbelly. Mm-hmm. So Cat is like, she's just the exploded new star on the scene. And I had watched it all like bootleg as everyone in Melbourne had. Um, <laughs> and I vividly remember I was a script coordinator or a script assistant. And basically like you're, you're at the real, you're at the bottom and generally no one, people don't. You know, they don't notice you. And I just really, which is fine. Like, you know, but you're just a person sitting in the office doing the photocopying. That's what you are. And I really vividly remember it just so happened. You were in the office that day. It was in Footscray. And for some reason I was in the kitchen and then you came in looking for a coffee cup. And it was one of those times where it was like a kitchenette that was just so messy and disgusting. Like, you know how office kitchens can sometimes get out of control? That's what had happened. And then you came in and you so really politely asked if I could point you to where the coffee cups were, which I did, and they were all disgusting and messy, but you insisted on washing it yourself. And then you introduced yourself to me and then asked me what I was doing, what my role was, chatted, like nobody else did it. You were like so, so lovely. And I was at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom and you sat there and chatted for a while and and was so down to earth and not that I mean obviously all the other cast on that show were kind of lovely too but no one no one came up and asked so many questions about what I was doing and I was a little I was just a nothing I was an absolute nothing and it made a really good impression on me and I always think it it makes you think you know, like every little person in a workplace you come across, like who could have foreseen at that moment that I would end up writing like 90 hours of television you, for you? Oh, goodness, I did that. You so <laughs> I screwed that up. <laughs> yeah, imagine the start, the casting of Bosspring Image and says, we like Kat Stewart. And I'm like, well, she was a bit of a bitch in a kitchen once to me. <laughs> Michael has a long history of embarrassing himself in front of actresses that he really admires. And by that, I mean, it tends to just be Claudia Carvin. So it's true. I've done that too. I did that with Claudia Carvin. What? I met her at some awards thing and I was, they sat me next to her at a, at a you know, at one of those tables. It was like a, a Foxtel awards thing. And I just, instead of chatting, I just led with, I basically said something like, I love you. I worship you or something ridiculous. And there was nowhere to go. Oh, that's so. That's basically identical to my stories with her. I couldn't then just be like cool and hip. I just kind of ruined it, and she had to sit next to me the whole night. She was really lovely, but but I just ruined it. I just went. I went in too hard. I I should have you know held it back. (laughs) (laughs) Thing is, I'd probably do it again if I saw her again. I really love her. So can I tell you? Oh, I'm a repeat offender. Oh yeah, and it's like everyone has a shitting story. Everyone here on this podcast has has a carving story because I did the same thing. I went up to her. Yeah, I went up to her and I said, "Oh, we gave birth at the same time. We have children the same age. We're basically friends." (laughs) And this was when I was a 21-year-old mother, stay-at-home mother. This was before Idol. This was before she would have maybe even had an inkling of maybe she saw me and thought, "Mm, "I know her." I was just living near her in St Kilda, and I saw her, and I'd been watching Secret Life of Us, obviously, and I just went up to her. And I didn't say hello. And I said, like, because we both had children out of our bodies. We were the same at the same time. Same, same. And she looked at me like, I mean, she backed away. She totally backed away. She's also, she, Claudia Carvin is not necessarily uh, like a, someone who will like fake a laugh to like, see, Kat Stewart is so lovely. She'll fake a laugh completely plausibly. You will believe it's a laugh that's come from her soul. <laughs> <laughs> but with Claudia Carvin, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to. She's so cool. She kind of glides when she walks. She's kind of like got this, I don't know, she's just. She's amazing. I, I really, uh, I think she's amazing. Oh, mate. I loved Bump. Did, did you guys see <gasps> Bump? Oh, yeah. Obsessed with Bump. I loved it mm. so much. You like Michael, you made me watch it. I wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. Good. I know. So good. All right. Okay. This has turned into the Claudia Carbon okay. Appreciation Podcast. No, bring it back. Dot, next, look at me. Now I'm detached to the dot ports. What else did I write in? Oh, I don't know. I got bored. I think I jumped a couple <laughs> in a minute. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Oh, hey, hey. Are you enjoying this interview? Well, too bad it's going to end because... Look, this record session was cursed, as you know, from last week, and this was on the same night with my ratchet computer, which I have set on fire and sacrificed to the gods. So 
we lost my part of the interview, but we still have the Cat and Michael parts, okay? So basically what's going to happen now is I'm going to do some sassy, snappy little throws so you can still hear Cat's amazing answers. Isn't she? She's otherworldly. She's ethereal. She's so amazing. And I know, I'm sorry, I was just, I know I've been a bit of a dickhead. Something comes over me when Michael and I bring in a third, especially someone we both really love, I get competitive with him and I get mean. And I was listening back going, oh, Emma, what happens? I'd also had to kill her, guys. It was a bad combo. (laughs) So it's probably best. I think I just kept getting worse and worse. So maybe, you know, whoever's up in the clouds is protecting me. So now I'm just going to do some sassy little throws so we can still get the great cat content. Okay. So that's what's going to happen now. Again, I'm really sorry. I'm going to, you know, sacrifice something over a volcano. I'll be nude. I'll be chanting. There'll be candles and a full moon to hopefully rid ourselves of all the gremlins. But first up, what we're going to do is obviously Michael is terrible at keeping secrets. And if you tell him things, he doesn't really understand, you know, that perhaps everyone else doesn't need to know it. Not so great for me, but when he does it to other people, hilarious. So he now is going to tell you about basically what happens to Kat's onset outfits, her costumes, how she gets them and what she does with them. I've got another bit of Kat Stewart trivia and I love this. Kat Stewart is a really good one for inheriting costumes that she's worn that she likes. So often you'll go out with Kat and you'll be like, season one, episode five. And I would too. It's my dream to have professional. And at least with Liz, she's got good gear. So, you know, Roberta, I don't imagine you took too many of those home. There weren't a lot of pieces from that, but I did, I kept a top. But also I do sometimes bring in some of my own stuff too. So sometimes, but no, mostly I'm taking stuff in production. It's true. Now also, Cash admittedly is a bit uncoordinated and has a funny run. She doesn't have a run like, say, a Tom Cruise. You know, think about Tom Cruise. He runs with a purpose, with a mission. Think about the guy from Terminator 2. Oh, going back to Terminator 2. Like, there's some great iconic film runs out there. Keanu Reeves, a bit knock-kneed. Think about Point Break, you know, when he hurts his knee. Get him when he comes back in. Cat, unfortunately, wouldn't make top ten action runs. Have a listen. My other favourite bit of Cat trivia, and this was so, so hazardous of her, she made the mistake of telling me that she had a really funny run, that she looks really funny, and it's not 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 trying to do anything. I always try not to look funny, but it gets funnier the more I try. (laughs) And then I pretty much went, like it was basically like I opened the laptop, started typing, and then we wrote this whole big running sequence for Billy when Billy was getting really competitive and trying to race someone off the track in Fitzroy Gardens or whatever, and she she was right. It was a really funny run. And then I remember our um, DOP, um, JB, I did a, just a run-through for, literally a run-through for rehearsal, and then I came back to beginners, you know, where you start the shot, and um, he was crying, and he said, that run is such a great choice for the character. And I said, it's not a choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh darling well look you know i'm not sad but she can't be beautiful and intelligent and kind and not have some kind of faults so dodgy running it is then obviously five bedrooms is coming out soon guys and this show is really important because michael honestly has put his heart and soul into it and a dear friend of ours christine bartlett another incredible australian screenwriter it's her idea her concept and michael has been right beside her so we want this show to succeed we're going to talk about it all the time and the whole reason Cat's on is because Cat stars in it as well, obviously. And what you need to know is Marcella, obviously, our social media captain, she works for Michael every now and then doing note-taking in their writing sessions. And also Michael really values her opinions on romantic comedies and basically romantic storylines because she's seen everything. And so you know how there's intimacy coaches that kind of decide where the wangs go, where the hands go, where the eyes go. Marcella is the equivalent of an intimacy coordinator for romantic situations, plausible, entertaining romantic situations. Michael will send her an idea and she'll be like, maybe, maybe try this, maybe not. Very important job. She binge watched season two. Like, obviously none of you have seen it. I haven't seen it, but she did to give Michael some feedback. Have a listen. Em's daughter did a little bit of work for us. And so she has binged through all of season two before the rest of Australia. Oh, fantastic. Oh, it was great actually, because she is well-versed in rom-com 
like language. She's watched every rom-com in the world. So she came, she was very literate when she, not that it's like necessarily exclusively a rom-com, but she gave us a full breakdown of all the relationships and what she thought. Like, and let me tell you with Ben and Heather, who's played by Stephen Peacock and Dorothy Nane, she went on a hell of a ride (laughs) and she broke it all down. It was great. She was was actually really great because when she was watching it, she was sending me texts the whole way through. And so I really got to, it was like getting an advance warning about how someone might tweet about it. It was terrific. I just, I don't know. I don't know where to begin. Again, I feel like I just I just love the show. I love that it's a true ensemble. You know, we take turns to narrate the episodes and it's it's so different. Although you and Christine both worked so much on Offspring, it's so different to Offspring, but it has the generosity of spirit that I loved about Offspring. Like it's people fucking things up but but meaning well and it doesn't sugarcoat yeah. our flaws and it's funny and it's it feels fresh and real and I just I just love being in it. So I'm really glad I was nice to you in that team. Oh, and, I, and, and what Kat says about the ensemble, we like, we obviously, yeah, we wrote it so that it's really evenly, you know, every character gets their episode in turn. I mean, not in the same order necessarily, but they all get their time. And I hadn't realised, I just thought that would be cool and the right thing for this show. Mm. But it also has meant this really, really lovely thing in that normally shows you know, all go towards one or two leads. And that's great too. I mean, those sort of shows are awesome, but there is something really magic about, like within that ensemble, that everyone knows that everyone's going to get their time to shine and they're so supportive Mm. and they really are. Like one of the biggest things my mum said when she was watching it was, it just really feels like... They like each other, and, we, and, we and they do. know each other, and they do. We do. It's like they I've, do. I've done I, a I lot can't. of ensemble theatre, and that's that kind of mentality where you know, make the scene work. It's not about you. Kind of make the scene work, and everyone gets to be good. And that's absolutely the case with this. Like everyone's rooting for each other. It's, mm. it's yeah, no, it's very. I just love it. Yeah, and there's and, that, and every ensemble that I've worked with has been amazing. But mm. there is something really unexpected magic about mm. that sense of the five of them all in there together. Oh, what a job. Imagine being like my first job at 19. I was waiting tables at this dodgy pizza restaurant that paid cash that ended up being closed down because of tax fraud and bullet holes in the doors. Like, honestly, the kitchen hand, the guy who watched the dishes drove a Ferrari, the car park looked like an exotic, like full on. But Marcella's first job is note taking on a successful TV show. Well, life. She deserves it. She's very clever. Obviously, Kat is a big fan of the show, as you can hear. She is our number one ticket holder. And uh, she's just, I mean, I just gush when I think about Kat Stewart. So when we were thanking her and, you know, just generally in a bit of a love fest, she offered up this lovely reply, which obviously I had to include. I'm going to have to say reply again. Don't worry about cutting it, MDV. Everyone knows already it's just an absolute shit show. She offered up this lovely reply. which I had to include and put it everywhere. And you'll hear it in every promo for all of time. Have a listen. Such an honour. Can't tell you. This is my favourite podcast. Can't speak. This is my favourite podcast. So happy to be here. Ah, the grace on this woman. All right, that's it. That's enough from me. Look, we got there again. It's okay. This was the same cursed chaotic session as last week's app. Speaking of last week's app, we need to have a chat because you guys really perked the ears up and the interest of Spotify execs because last week's app has been enormous. It's been a monster. It's rating as highly as, guess with other episode, 365 Days, where we talk about sex and wangs again. It's the wang content for us. And I don't know what that says about you. I guess I'm proud, but also like make sure you listen to other episodes that are non-peen related because we put a lot of effort into those two. Oh my God, I can't believe how many you've have listened. I mean, I want to also assume that it was for the Elio content as well. But anyway, thanks for being so passionate about it. And my goodness, the amount of DMs. I mean, this show, this sex life on Netflix, it's really stirred something in you. <laughs> Whoa, stirred. <laughs> but, no, but what I'm saying is we put up a poll on our Instagram account. Poll. <laughs> oh, my God. Get a grip. I'm sorry. I'm delirious. And we asked you to choose Brad or Cooper. And, like, some of you were almost in tears. You're like, why do I have to choose? Can I, like, implant Brad's assets onto Cooper? They're both douchebags. Like, we had to repost a poll. <sighs> oh, stop it. You know, I get it. 
it's it's got inside your brains. So um, hilarious. God, I love, I've laughed so much about last week's episode. You've, you've all entertained me to know when the Facebook group has been particularly lit this week. Should be a member of the Facebook group, the Emsolation Facebook group page. It's a wonderful community of humans. I just, it's my favourite place to kind of lurk. And I lurk, don't worry about that. Before I do go, though, on a serious note, not a serious note, but an important one, it's NAIDOC week this week. Every year in July, we celebrate NAIDOC week. And this week, this year, the theme is Hill Country. Can you hear? Like, just take a breath in. I am so passionate about Indigenous rights and Indigenous affairs and being an ally and doing the work that I get scared when I speak because... I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> I just don't want to get it wrong. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But NAIDOC Week celebrations are held across Australia every July to celebrate the history and the culture and the achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And it's a way for all Australians to celebrate and get involved with Indigenous artwork and Indigenous creatives and communities and learning better about the land that you live on because if you are a non-Indigenous Australian, you still have an Indigenous history because where you live and work and exist is Indigenous land, always was, always will be. So I want to encourage you guys to get involved with NAIDOC Week. You can go to NAIDOC, N-A-I-D-O-C.org.au and find out ways to get involved. There are lots of COVID safe ways to get involved. There's some amazing, fantastic documentaries that are going to be out and movies and short films on Netflix, on SBS, on ABC, on Channel 10. Everyone's getting involved. It's great to see finally, I would argue a bit late, commercial media embracing NAIDOC Week. Please get amongst it. I really encourage you to do the work, be an ally. And if we have any First Nations listeners, I want to say again, we are all on stolen land. Always was, always will be. Thanks, guys, for listening this week. And hopefully next week there are no gremlins. Say a prayer. Sacrifice something if you have to. We'll chat soon. Bye. Insulation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Mark Davila. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jim Evans and Georgia Watts. And occasional technical trickery and wizardry from M's dad, Vinci. Get more from Emsolation with M. Rossiano by following Emsolation Podcast on Instagram. You can also join our secret club by joining our Facebook group at Emsolation. And make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. We, of course, hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll chat with you again soon.